Welcome to the Ivy Arts and Culture Podcast, conversations with some of the most interesting and influential leaders in the visual and performing arts. Discover a new art form, unlock your creativity, or dive deeper into an existing passion. I'm Ivy's Arts and Culture Director and your host, Phil Chan. For more information about Ivy and our arts and culture programming, visit culture.ivy.com. These are uncertain times for the arts, with arts programs habitually cut from public school programs and proposed limitations on tax deductions, among other challenges. Americans of our generation are having fewer and fewer opportunities to make art an accessible and an everyday part of our lives. Along with budget cuts come threats to abolish the National Endowment of the Arts, a federal agency that has been in existence for 53 years and is fully appropriated by Congress, with a budget of about $149 million, which serves as an art stimulus in every congressional district. I got to sit down with Jane Chu, the chairman of the National Endowment of the Arts, to hear directly from her about what the NEA does, what the larger impact of the NEA is, and why the arts industry is one of the biggest drivers of the American economy and a worthwhile investment in our communities. Our agency is about making sure that we provide uh, opportunities for the arts to thrive and connect the arts to people all across the nation. So we are in all 50 states. There are about, what, 19,000 communities in the United States, and we're in about 16,000 of them. Uh, We have grants uh, that are for small organizations, large organizations. We cover about 20 disciplines. Uh, We have had a history uh, over the 50 years of Uh, jump-starting a number of projects, especially in their early stages. Um, Some examples are like we ran the uh, Vietnam Memorial design where Maya Lin won. Uh, We jump-started Hamilton, um, Prairie Home Companion, uh, Live at Lincoln Center. I start naming uh, a lot of the uh, programs over the years that now are Uh, sustaining on their own or really thriving in so many other different ways. But we also have grants in places like, you know, Freeman, South Dakota, where there's an arts project to connect to agriculture. And we've got a grant in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, where there's an arts project to connect to a public stormwater basin. And we want to make sure that, uh, especially kids, because the research shows that uh, children, especially who come from lower Uh, socioeconomic opportunities, fewer of them, have the opportunity to engage in the arts because there's so much research that shows that uh, arts-rich kids uh, can, uh, it it evens the playing field for them and they can uh, even actually uh, perform academically as a result of being um, engaged in the arts a lot. So when I look at our arts education grants, uh, at least uh, 49, 50% of the arts education grants are going to neighborhoods and kids where they just have almost no opportunities at all. So we're really looking hard and thinking about uh, those opportunities as well. Uh, talk a little bit about, because some of you are from organizations that apply for grants, and so I'll talk just a little bit about how do you apply for a grant, because this is a federal agency after all. So and there's really three steps to getting a grant in from the National Endowment for the Arts. And the first step is that after you submit the application, the first people who read them are citizens. So it's not somebody pointing and saying, this is art and this is not. We bring in experts from the field. And some of you, if you're in the arts, you're welcome to uh, send in your bios uh, in certainly disciplines. To I've done it. Considered. It's fun. 
Have you? It's a lot of reading now. Yeah. But you get a sense of what's going on across all the nation. So citizens meet to make recommendations. Like I used to, before I came to the National Endowment for the Arts, I ran a performing arts center in Kansas City, Missouri. And so I uh, did sit on a panel and read for uh, presenting uh, arts. So you see the artists that are coming in, you see the organizations that present and uh, learn about what people are coming in. And if you're an expert in the field, you can pretty much tell who's really making a difference. Uh, so they make recommendations on which applications uh, deserve uh, funding. And then the second step is our national council, who is also made of experts in the field. They're an advisory committee, and they uh, make the recommendations as well. And then the third step is the chairman. So uh, we like this process because every time the, I mean, when the National Endowment for the Arts began 50 two, three years ago, it really was established to be arts for the people in America. And uh, what a better way, uh, there's no better way, we think, in terms of the model or the process than to have citizen panel experts make the first step on what the recommendations are. So even the processes of how we do it are just as important as what we do. Now, um, you, you touched a little bit about um, how the arts are, you're granting funds um, in lots of different areas and there's a lot of intersections with other areas like um, agriculture, um, the military, healing. Would love to hear about um, what are some things that we don't necessarily think of as an arts program that maybe the NEA touches on um, and what is the impact on the greater society um, by infusing an arts component into it? Well, we, we uh, would be really eager to dispel the myth that the arts only belong to some people and not others, or they're often a corner by themselves and only some people can participate in it and others cannot. And there's all these myths of, oh, I'm an artist and you're not an artist and those kind of things. When we see creativity in everybody in so many different ways. So the way we look at it, and the best analogy I could think of would be like a food system. So if you start looking at all the ways people partake with, in food, you can, I mean, there's five-star restaurants, and there's diners, and food trucks, and home-cooked meals, and everything in between, And but we don't eat every meal in a five-star restaurant. We, uh, we probably do uh, a whole bunch of different ways. Well, similarly, there's something for everybody in the arts. So we love to celebrate certainly the traditional arts and ways people have participated in the arts by going to performances or exhibitions, but we also uh, recognize all kinds of other ways to participate. And we see, um, for example, with our military, we have a, an arts initiative that uh, Congress has given us two back-to-back -back increases in our budgets the last two years to spread our military arts initiative across the nation because we saw that our veterans and also our service members who are affected by combat-induced post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury and other psychological health conditions, uh, they will go to places like Walter Reed and then they partake in an arts uh, project and they think, oh, here I am, I'm just going to go to an arts project. And it is so, so healing that the clinicians called back to us and said, we're going to make this part of the standard of care because it's non-invasive. You don't have to help, you know, go through any kind of surgery and uh, you're just doing an arts project and yet it's going tapping into the meaning in your life that was already there but possibly covered up during times of combat. So now we're getting to spread it across the nation. That's just one example of many. Um, and we support, for example, I think of there's a really cool hospital in um, Chicago. It's called Lurie 
Hospital, and uh, we support a program there for kids who uh, are patients there, and they are doing filmmaking, you know, and stop motion videos and drawing and painting. And there's one in Gainesville, Florida, where uh, you'd walk in the hospital and you'd think, wait a minute, am I in a hospital? Because they hired musicians on their staff to play music in the halls and play them right before surgery. And the surgeons are saying things like, well, the surgeries are going so much smoother when we get to have the arts in advance because there's something healing and soothing about participating in the arts, uh, the process of it that gets you ready for something that might, could have been even more traumatic. So um, it's, I, I give some healthcare examples, but there's so many other ways that we connect to. So we're very mindful of supporting um, the arts as we know it, the beauty of it, and also connecting it in so many ways to uh, other aspects of life. I think also one, one thing that's really interesting to me is that people don't often understand the economic impact of the arts um, in your community. So um, like a small town that has a, a theater or a dance company or a gallery, um, and that there's a huge ripple effect in terms of the economics of the whole um, economy around that. And I know that um, there, there was just a study that was released, um, Americans for the Arts did an economic impact survey that talked about um, what, what happens with dollars in the arts. Um, could you touch a little bit about, about how that affects grant making and every dollar the NEA is investing in the cultural sector, what are the returns we see you know, here in DC and in, in the country? It's, uh, the arts do have a significant impact and thank you Americans for the Arts for the economic prosperity uh, survey that they've done repeatedly and uh, we see it in so many different ways but so uh, you know you think about where do you want to be well you want to be in these places in these communities it might be a large city but it might be a town of 500 but the arts and activities going on uh, outside of work are things that you move toward the town because you feel like the town is a place where you want to belong. The arts are usually at the center of that kind of thing. Uh, and But they have these this effect where restaurants start popping up around the activities and uh, people start spending money and tourism comes in and uh, even empty nesters want to move back downtown because uh, they want to be part of those arts activities. So there is an economic piece to it. So the, uh, last year, uh, the Department of Commerce uh, started measuring, or maybe it was a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, the C Department of Commerce started measuring arts in uh, America. You know, what was it like? Because I think, you know, there may have been some perceptions that uh, it was going to be very, very low. And they found out that the arts, um, the arts uh, jumpstart three quarters of a trillion dollars in the United States. That's, that's a good significant amount. That's more than construction, that's more than transportation, that's more than a number of different um, fields and industries that we are used to hearing about and still appreciate, but arts are right up there. So that got the Commerce Department to saying, well, we started, gosh, I had no idea the arts were playing such a role. So we started uh, now measuring the arts um, GDPs in every state, and so to be continued on that. But the National Endowment for the Arts uh, requires, with every grant, for every dollar that we award, has to be a matching dollar, one-to-one, -one, from other outside sources. And so when we were analyzing our grants, we found that actually instead of one dollar from other sources, it was nine, seven to nine, depending on how much, uh, which organization, but seven to nine dollars. So if you put your MBA hat on, or if you put your business hat on, and you say, um, 
you're getting a seven to nine dollar return on every dollar you spent. That's a pretty good return on investment. So uh, we don't have the money to pay for everything, but we sure have the money to jumpstart those meaningful projects of the arts all across America. That's a pretty good economic, good way to economically leverage. And I also think that's maybe um, helping with the sort of brain drain, you know, looking across the country right now, uh, people in um, sort of rural areas, if you're really smart, I mean, there might be even people in this room who grew up in a small town, you know, went out for college and then moved to a city and then maybe never went back to their hometown because there was nothing there for them. I want to live in the city. I want to live where things are happening. Um, it, do you think the arts could have a, a role in revitalizing small towns and smaller rural communities? There is this coolest organization in Whitesburg, Kentucky. And uh, this is a, con a community that was really thriving decades ago through the coal industry, which in, uh, has diminished in some ways. And so what they did uh, is they took the... There's a couple of mm, 25 to 30 year olds who took um, the arts and created a community theater of 150 seats and they built a radio station because they know how to do that. And they, and it's in the heart of Appalachia and the poverty rate in that area is 24.9%, which is pretty high. Um, so they took everything they knew out of the stories of the Kentucky generations uh, and who had been established there. They took all the people who were master luthiers and who really knew how to make the best dulcimers out of the best wood ever and the ukuleles and the uh, guitars. They took the stories of the uh, people all around the town who are still there and they turned this into using the arts to celebrate the heritage of their town and now they are generating about 1.8 million back into that area 1.8 million dollars that may not serve you know that may not be huge but it is huge in Whitesburg Kentucky and so there is a way to honor the past and celebrate going forward at the same time and honor the traditions. And it was just because of the arts. So things are like that are popping up all over the place. I'd also like to, to kind of ask your, um, your thoughts on creativity. I know that's a sort of a big blanket word that gets tossed around. Um, what, what is creativity? You know, I know a lot of people in the audience, tonight, they want to be more creative. That's a skill that they want to have. Um, but what does that actually mean if you're a lawyer or a banker or not Jeff Koons? What does that, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, jeez. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, can, I can give you some symptoms of creativity. So, because uh, here's what I believe, and these are, so these are just random pieces of creativity. First of all, everybody is creative. It's in you already. And so, uh, uh, th toss out those earlier thoughts about she's creative and I'm not, or you're creative and you can do this, but I can't. Because that is not the case. Everyone has it within them, and you know it, happen you know it when you hear somebody say something about you uh, or you've done something creative and you, it just resonates you knew that about yourself all along so if you can cultivate and reminding yourself that you are creative some of you already know it and you do it every day uh, but some of you need to remind yourself so it's already within you uh, so that's one piece um, but when I think of creativity and when I'm creative uh, and, I, and I, I draw wherever I go, we, we do a lot of traveling. I've been to all 50 states and four or five or six countries by now and 
um, t you know, tons of communities. And I try to draw wherever I go, mainly because I was trained in the piano and it's hard to bring one on the plane. And so I bring a pen. So I draw a lot. But when I'm creativity, a couple of, when I'm creative, a couple of things happen. One is um, <clears throat> I get very energized by uh, a blank canvas or a blank piece of paper or something because what I get to think about is, oh, the world's at my fingertips and I get to just do anything here. I get to suspend the boundaries and, and figure out. So there's one symptom for me is like, I just get spirited and energy. Um, so um, that makes, that brings meaning to my life. Another thing that happens to me is um, I go kind of go into a zone where I could just draw, for example, I use that as an example, and then I'll look up and it's been, you know, four hours or something like, or time stands still. So creativity for me allows me, whatever I'm doing, to be so immersed in it or go into that zone that I don't need to be linear. And there are valuable times to be linear, but uh, for creativity for me, uh, that doesn't ha uh, happen as much. And so if we can create an environment where people get to dream and people get to imagine, and uh, so if I, if I compared it to say, you said lawyer, but if you were looking at like science, uh, the wonderful thing about science is, as an example, is that you can take a process and a scientist will take a process and will put, um, isolate the steps and put a boundary around each step and do it so well that it can be replicated and it needs to be. That's what's so great about science. And then if I look at creativity and put a dimension about that, it uses different synapses in the brain, but instead of isolating it, it's more like thinking about what it can be, the wonder of it, and then figuring out how to take your skills and make it happen. So when you get in those moments, I feel creative as a federal agency leader. And that almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? <laughs> but um, when I'm not drawing or playing music or, or participating in the arts like that, and I'm running an agency, there are all kinds of opportunities to be creative, too. So when you're creative, you might even just, uh, if you don't think you are, just practice doing whatever it is you do for a living. And uh, try, you know, Clive Gillenson, who's the head of Carnegie Hall, uh, used to play the cello, maybe still does, but he runs Carnegie Hall. And he says his most, uh, the highest levels of creativity he's ever done has been as an arts administrator. So because you can be equally creative, it's just a different kind of medium. So, I think so what we really want, what we're doing at the National Endowment for the Arts is we're, we're constantly looking at the whole system. Are we giving, uh, are we awarding grants and are we honoring the different ways people participate in the arts, just like people eating food, different ways of food, and are we creating an environment across the nation that, are help, that helps the arts thrive and making sure that it is something for everyone? Um, so I think that's that's a great individual sort of takeaway for us. Um, but now I'm trying to imagine what if a whole community of people was thinking and, and working at that level. What would a creative society look like? I mean, what what are some byproducts of a creative society when everyone is sort of working and thinking and acting on that frequency? Well, you can all uh, we can all answer that question in different ways. So help us with that answer. But um, one of the things that I 
since I've done some traveling internationally as well, but, but um, even in a, the United States, is that there's some level of creativity that because you have to suspend judgment and you're so comfortable standing in the middle of ambiguity uh, because uh, not a lot of people are. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people who, when they get in the middle of uh, something that's never been done before, and it's very ambiguous to them, and they have no path because they don't, uh, it hasn't been done before, and they're in pioneer territory. A lot of people panic. I've never seen this before. I don't know what I'm going to do. I am stuck. I am stuck. And in creative, and creativity, and people who dream and can imagine, uh, can figure out a way to get unstuck quicker, it seems like. And so if you have a society, of what does creativity look like? It's probably people who can say things like, there's not a, I'm making this up as I go, but there, you know, they, they might make a comment like, there's not really a finite set of resources. It's really not this versus that. It can be both and because I can be creative enough to figure out another way. Uh, it hasn't been done before, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. Um, you know, it's that kind of, so that's really something to celebrate. And if you are suspending judgment for however long you need to do, uh, it does, for me, open up the opportunity to talk with people who have different perspectives than I do, uh, who come from different, you know, what may be totally different ways of doing something. And uh, it can have an opportunity, and we've seen the arts do this, bring people together without force-fitting everybody to be exactly alike. So I'm going to segue just into a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm from, I was born in Oklahoma, and I grew up in Arkansas. My parents are from China. My mom uh, was a teenager in China when it was a change of, of the government. This was 65 years ago. And so her parents snuck her out by herself, and she left on a train, and they didn't have Skype back then. And so they made this uh, pact that they wouldn't talk to each other because she didn't want to have a communication trail that went back to... Uh, the family that helped her leave by herself, so she didn't. She put. She didn't carry any suitcases, and she didn't have any travel documents. And so she put eight pairs of underwear on one over the other, and put her money in her underwear. She got on the train and said goodbye to her parents and her family, not knowing if she'd see them again. <clears throat> and she never saw them again. And my father had already come over to the United States to go to school, uh, and so they stayed in the United States and never went back. And so I was born in Oklahoma and grew up in Arkansas. So I have lived a bok choy corn dog life my entire growing up years. And so the value of doing that is that I've learned how to navigate being around different perspectives without force-fitting everybody to be exactly alike because my mom and dad and I went through that together. So the arts allow you to do that too. That's why this was probably a really good... Um, way for me to be involved is through the arts because I'm so comfortable in ambiguity and uh, when somebody, and you are too and you can be, because when somebody else is you know, this way and you're that way it doesn't mean one of us is wrong it can mean that we can figure out how to, to do it but it might be a new way to do it Let's, um, let's dive a little bit deeper there. I'm, I'm, I know that the arts are a great way to build empathy 
um, and a great way to understand a different culture. Um, I think there is so much division happening in America right now um, between different perspectives. It's, it's very political. How can the arts help play a role to bridge conversations and get people to start talking or even expose ourselves to new viewpoints that we might not have previously considered, whether it's understanding your you know, your, your family members better, understanding your colleagues and coworkers better, or understanding um, larger social movements out there that are happening um, on, in all sides of the spectrum. Well, at, uh, at the essence of that, no matter whether it's any of the examples that you used as illustrations, um, is this uh, understanding of meaning in your life. And so I think the arts can do that, bring meaning to our lives. So as an illustration, uh, to continue my story of the bok choy corn dog life is after my father died when I was nine, uh, he, he became ill, he was a college professor, and uh, it was just me and my mom. And so my, I had been encouraged back then to speak English in um, school, and they spoke Mandarin in, at home. And so I didn't have enough uh, words as a nine-year-old, and maybe most nine-year-olds don't, but I didn't, I really didn't, to be able to express my grief over the loss of my uh, parent. And uh, yet those piano lessons I'd been taking dutifully as an eight and a nine-year-old were became more than just something I did because I was supposed to. It became so soothing and uh, didn't have to be soothing music. It was just there's something about it that allowed me to feel like I belonged. It uh, touched me in a way that I couldn't, uh, that it would transcend the use of linear everyday conversation. It was much more for me. It opened up a whole vocabulary set, really. It just wasn't words, and it wasn't the use in a linear fashion. So I became... I'm very interested in music, even intellectually. I tried to get involved in the arts every aspect I could. I'd sing in choirs and, you know, dance and I uh, was in plays and everything. And, and then I majored in piano in college and I drew and still keep it up because there's something I'm not even sure I can articulate in words that is so, uh, that brings meaning to my life. And so in, uh, so I'm getting around to your question. So in um, arts education is such a big thing because you, um, you're not just teaching somebody rote information, you're doing, you're giving them an opportunity to develop skills, not only in creativity, but to bring meaning to whatever it is you're learning. So, uh, and it may be the subject of arts, but it may be math, or maybe science, or something like that. So, now, to your question about, you know, how do we how do, can arts be something that touches us all together? Well, if there's an arts project that can bring you together, um, that when, like last week I was in New York talking with uh, the vice premier of China and the minister of culture of China along with some other arts organizations, and all we had in common was arts. And uh, that held us together because we knew we had to trip over each other's languages and each other's ways of doing it, and that arts kept us to be uh, uh, so respectful of each other. We chose to be respectful of each other. So if there's arts projects that will bring out the best in us and bring meaning, and it, you know, when we're our best, I think when we're our best, it gives us energy to want to reach out to somebody else who might be different from us. So that's why I think arts can really be a key to it. Yeah, I'm also, um, another sort of thing I'm thinking about too is um, 
just reading the news and, and also what's happening politically. And earlier this year, I know that there was a proposed um, potential cut to the National Endowment of the Arts budget. Um, and the Trump administration was talking about closing down the agency. And um, luckily, and, and through a lot of hard work from advocates all across the country, um, you know, the budget and their... Um, and their omnibus spending proposal uh, actually retained most of the funding for the NEA. And it, it seems like uh, you've done a really good job of building sort of a bipartisan coalition of people, of advocates on both sides of the aisle who understand the value of the arts in their communities and are really willing to um, stick up for them. Um, how, how did you reach that consensus and within Congress? Well, we, um, it isn't over yet, um, but, uh, we, uh, because the final vote isn't taken yet, but um, I'm I'm thinking the vote will probably uh, move toward more solid votes by the end of this calendar year, maybe November or something like that. But but from what we could tell in what uh, in the groups that are advocate advocating, we don't lobby or advocate because we're a federal agency, but we do educate, and so uh, I meet constantly with members of Congress. I've probably met with at least 100 different members of Congress or I've flown to their districts and we give out grants together or something. Or I say, can I come in and tell you, can I meet with you for just 10 minutes? Um, and yes, you can. And so to a person, everybody I've met with, um, if you can just start explaining that one, breaking that one myth about the arts are, you know, are not just some frill, they're providing jobs, three quarters of a trillion dollars, they are touching people that, um, and they're reaching parts of America that uh, seem remote sometimes, and they're reaching people who don't have opportunities, and they're also uh, celebrating some of the fun things that we uh, all love about the arts at the same time. They're reaching the military. And so, for example, when I go to members of Congress who sit on the military committees and I tell them about our military um, initiative and what uh, one service member said to me, which was, uh, I've been destroying for so long and now I get to create. And so, you know, and the family members who are saying we're now getting our loved ones back because he's been able to manage his pain better that he can communicate with us. So um, explaining those stories and explaining the hard data and everything else in between, uh, that actually has been very valuable. So to a person, uh, along with the groups who have been advocating and spreading the word across America, we are hopeful and uh, we'll find out more this year. Great. Um, also, I know a lot of us are, are arts supporters, advocates, um, passionate about the arts. What can all of us do on an individual level um, to make sure that we're incorporating the arts into every aspect of our lives, whether it's, you know, in church, uh, at, at the office, with our friends? Um, you know, what, what are some recommendations for all of us that we could or should be doing to be doing more in the arts? It's so fun to engage in the arts um, and... Um, can you be doing? Well, I, uh, there's so many different um, levels of involvement, and some people here who I've talked with are deeply involved with it all the time, and that's their whole lives, and some people aren't touching it at all. So, uh, it, you know, to me, wherever you are is great, and um, be open to getting involved in the arts and talk with your friends and colleagues and uh, find projects. 
Um, and always feel free to contact us and, you know, even with an idea, you know, I'm just, uh, I'd love to know where, if I could do X, and I don't know what it is, and we'll point you to where some projects are, and you call them up and see if you want to, uh, most everybody will embrace you uh, in the arts. Uh, arts councils will uh, have, well, they'll really know where the projects are and talk with them, and uh, they will point you in the right direction. If something doesn't work for you, go to something else. But there's just thousands of thousands of projects. Um, trying to think how many, because we're in 16,000 communities. So there's, you know, there's something there. Uh, and it, it might be a different, it might be jazz, or it might be seagrass weavings. And when we went to Alaska, one of the places we went was um, Sitka. And we visited with a National Heritage Fellow who got a national medal for, from us for uh, her weavings. Uh, and, you know, Native, Amer Native Alaskans can, uh, she took uh, goat hairs and dried them and spun them and then created the most unbelievable Chilkat weaving blankets. Uh, and, but... Uh, so there may be, there's, you know, there's just so many different ways to participate in the arts. But, uh, you know, the conversation I had with her was, yes, I have to leave the goat hairs. Uh, I have to take them inside every night because the grizzly bear who lives around the corner has, wants to have them too. So I don't have those kind of conversations every day. But uh, there's something for everybody. And always feel free to ask any of us and we'll point you in the right direction. Great. Um, I guess we'd, we'd love to maybe uh, just a closing thought to hear about... Um, what would a society where there was ample arts funding, arts organizations everywhere doing really great, impactful work, what if we sort of exponentially ramped up um, our levels of arts engagement, arts giving in this country? What would that look like in America? Uh, every student in every school would have an option to, would have the opportunity to adopt an art form that belonged to him or her. Um, every higher education institute would require the arts no matter what subject you participate in. For example, University of Iowa now requires its engineering majors to take two art classes before they graduate because they've seen that engineering is such a wonderful field, but when you add the dimension of uh, creativity through the arts, uh, it creates even more vision and you know coming together uh, even more meaningful creations. Uh, mayors would uh, make sure that uh, the arts were a line item in the city budget because they uh, were delving deeply into design uh, thinking and knowing that if they could uh, help rejuvenate those blighted areas of town that uh, were uh, now uh, creating vitality out of it because of the arts and um, people would, uh, hospitals would hire artists in healthcare because they know that uh, the arts coupled with medicine adds for even more ther therapeutic value. Uh, so those kind of things would be popping up where we would love the arts uh, for art's sake, and we would also see that they tie into so many aspects of our lives even when we don't know it. Uh, the, our Native American friends uh, don't have the word art in their vocabulary, uh, and it's not because they don't uh, like the arts or participate, it's the opposite. It is so ingrained in their everyday lives that it just never occurred to them that they would have to segment it and called it a field of arts. And so uh, there's something there in our way of life that we can celebrate the arts and the creativity and what it does for our lives every day.
I guess that just led me to another question. Last one before I want to give um, our folks a chance to ask some questions. Um, what, uh, how are we doing as a country? You know, you talked a little bit about visiting other countries. How is our model different than other countries around the world? And how are we doing in terms of supporting our artists compared to other countries? Uh, well, let's see. Um, we don't have a cultural minister in America. Uh, many countries have a cultural minister. I went to a conference where all the arts councils of the world came together. It was last summer. Uh, so about 80 countries came together. So not all of them came, but all, about 80, 85. And uh, I, I was really, I'm sure I was, if I wasn't the only non-cultural minister country, uh, there were very few. So almost everybody has a cultural minister, and we don't have one. And I'm glad we don't have one. I don't think, although they keep thinking the NEA chair is the like the default position. But I'm glad we don't have one because that's not really what we're about and I would never advocate to uh, be a cultural minister. I don't want to go around telling you what art is or what it is not. I want to stimulate a, an environment that is where we can all thrive. That's why I'm so proud of the fact that the first people who make recommendations on our grants are citizens, uh, experts in the field. So uh, how we compare with, uh, so that's the one, first one. Uh, but when you look at things like the amount that the nations spend per capita on their populations uh, in the arts, uh, for example, Malta is uh, $14. Of course, Malta is small, but uh, it's over between Tunisia and Italy. Uh, and it's like $14 a person. And... In Europe, many double-digit dollars are, that's about how much they spend. Canada is huge, and they, their nation just gave them an, an even greater increase in the budget. Ours right now, uh, well, four years ago, three years ago, it was 42 cents a person. And uh, so, you know, it, it'd be fun to get it to a dollar a person. So that's, that compares to, so, so when you put your budget hat on, I mean, when I put my business hat on, I'd say we're leveraging pretty well for the amount of uh, money that we have. There's one place that I did notice on the other side, on the flip side, uh, that when I went to the 85 country uh, conference with the arts councils and the other cultural ministers, I noticed that, and they commented on it, uh, they... Uh, don't, and this is a generalization, okay, so it's not necessarily um, specific, but in general, they were very, still very surprised to see a female leader of a country uh, in the arts. Uh, in general, they didn't, you didn't see that, or you had to retire after a certain age, so I'm not terribly old, but I'm not terribly young either, so they were, the women and the countries were appreciative of having female leaders. So I did see that, that we really in America still seem to be progressing, uh, even though we all still fight for, um, or, you know, advocate for uh, more uh, women leaders in areas where there haven't been, things like that. But I got a lot of comments from other countries about that.
Some people measure the arts by the stories. That seems to hit home for everybody. Because when you've seen, um, if you care about your service member, and that service member has been affected by PTSD, and all of a sudden uh, an arts project comes in, and it just absolutely makes everything more better and healthier and able to, uh, all those uh, effects kind of uh, get more manageable and they're having fun because that's really what we should be doing in life is just having fun, uh, then I would say that's a that's impact. On the other hand, if you want to talk about the fact that the arts uh, create three quarters of a trillion dollars and people are saying, I had no idea that economic impact uh, was that big, then that's another way to measure it as well. So how do we do it? At this point, there isn't just one way. It's more like, let's create a whole environment of how we're going to measure it so we can reach all the people with different learning styles and the way they hear things. If you want to get more information about arts advocacy, how to save the NEA, and how to support the arts on a local level in your community, please take a look at Americans for the Arts, our nation's arts advocacy organization, at americansforthearts.org. And take a moment to join the Arts Action Fund at artsactionfund.org. It's free and a great way to stay involved with arts-related advocacy in your neighborhood. We are pleased to be able to include the New York Philharmonic's recording of Igor Stravinsky's Petrushka as part of our podcast. For more information about the New York Philharmonic, please visit them on the web at nyphil.org. Thanks for listening to the Ivy Arts and Culture Podcast. For more information about Ivy and our over 400 cultural programs nationwide, visit culture.ivy.com.